0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to my story dot com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? good yeah awesome for those of you who are joining us online we are so glad you're here with us this afternoon and it's a great day to be with us because we are starting a brand new series called the goat the greatest of all time and you know when i was here in september you guys were talking about a donkey so i figured it was appropriate to continue the farm animal Animal theme and so we're we're getting into that today, but we're we're really addressing why Jesus is the greatest of all time, some characteristics that make Jesus the greatest of all time. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter four starting at the third verse. John chapter four starting at the third verse and it says, So Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day and what you will speak to us uh, today. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and just to be excited about what you want to say in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. So everybody has their favorite thing. Everybody has the thing that they think is the greatest, especially when it comes to food. Everybody has that one thing that they feel like is the best thing of all time. And I know it's a little dangerous. I'm about to talk about food. Please don't check out once we start naming stuff and thinking about your lunch in a few minutes. But uh, there are some things like mama's key lime pie that people think is the greatest or Aunt Karen's potato salad with raisins or or shrimp with grits or The southern specialty, mac and cheese. How many of y'all like mac and cheese in here? Yeah? Ooh, that's almost unanimous. We can't agree on anything in this country, but we agree on mac and cheese. Okay, here's the problem. I got a confession to make. And this is a safe place. We're friends, so I guess I can say this. I don't like any of that stuff. All of that stuff that was listed that just made y'all hungry and wondering where you're going to eat today. I don't like any of it. In fact, I would call myself a particular eater. Uh, Those who know me and on staff would probably say I'm a picky eater. But uh, I think it's just incredible how we could almost all agree that something is great. But somebody else would say that's not great. And that's the thing about measuring greatness. It's really subjective to the person who is doing the measuring. Uh, I was in a conversation one time with two people. And the first person said, Beyonce is the greatest singer of all time. She's great. And then the second person said, she sounds like a billy goat. Stop. And then you know, for those of you who watch basketball, if you've watched for a while, you realize that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player who's ever played. Amen. Yeah. Oh man. It's a hand clap in unison. Yes. And amen. But for those of you who started watching in 2010 and you're 12, you probably think LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. And that's okay. Jesus has grace for you. And you'll realize at some point, but here's the thing that I realize. Greatness isn't so much about what you've done, but it's what how what you've done affects other people. Greatness is not so much your accolades, but how what you have contributed has affected other people. And I, I know... Many of us have all different kind of people that we think is the greatest, but I want to present to you someone that I think is the greatest of all time. And his name is Jesus. I think he is the greatest person to ever walk the earth. I think like scripture says, he is the name above every name that at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. The father, I think Jesus is the greatest. He's the greatest, but it's not just what he's done. I think his characteristics really make him the greatest. And there are four characteristics around this idea that Jesus is intentional that I want to show you that I believe make him the greatest of all time. Jesus is intentional. And here's the first thing. Jesus is intentional. He's the greatest because of his intentional pursuit. His intentional pursuit of us, see... Uh, before you ever got here, before you ever made a thought about God, before you ever decided you wanted to show up in this beautiful building, God was thinking about you. He has ordered your steps. In fact, scripture says, but before you were formed in your mother's womb, that he knew you, that he was thinking of you. He was aware of you. Can I tell you that God has been pursuing you since the moment you cried, aha, since the moment you arrived on this planet, that his desire was to Have you be in relationship with him that he desired for you to meet with him? This was God's plan all along. He has been intentionally pursuing you. In the case of this woman in John chapter four and verse four, it says he had to go through Samaria on the way now Jesus was on his way to another place and what scripture doesn't explicitly tell us but research does is that in those days they had three options of routes on where to go I know you know if you get on your phone you plug in the address on this GPS you could say avoid tolls you could say avoid highways you could uh do all kind of navigations and in those days they didn't have all that but they had three routes that they could go To go to where Jesus was headed in Galilee. And Jesus decided to take the one that would lead him through Samaria. This is a big deal because Jews avoided Samaritans. They didn't want to be around them but Jesus intentionally pursued an opportunity to meet with this Samaritan woman and all I want to tell you today is that God has been intentional about trying to meet with you. I don't know what you've been through or where you've gone but each each moment of your life where it just seems like a coincidence. It just seems like somebody was talking about God when I was at a low place. Somebody was encouraging me and they didn't know my story. Those were not coincidences. Those were interruptions, divine interruptions where God could show up in your story to say, I've been thinking about you. I've been searching for you. I've been pursuing you because you matter to me. And that's what God is saying to each and every one of you. Although it seems crazy to think that the God of the universe cares about me That's what he's saying to each and every one of us. And here's why Jesus pursues us, pursues me because he loves me. If you've never heard this before, if this is your first time in church, I want to tell you that Jesus has allowed you to come to this moment, has been knocking on the door of your heart because he loves you. There's nothing you have done to earn that love and there's nothing you can do to take away from his love for you. He just loves you because he does. I know that's crazy. Most of the time, people are really in like with you. As long as you do what they like, they're going to keep on liking you. And the moment you change, they stop liking you. But that's not God. God loves you with the everlasting love. Look at what he says in Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse three. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness towards you that he's not going to stop pursuing you because he has loved you for forever. And it's this love that draws you. It's this love that continues to chase after you. And I'm so glad that he's been intentional with his pursuit that when I wasn't thinking about him, God was thinking about me when I wasn't focusing on him. I was trying to do my own thing, work my own plan. God was still saying, I want you daughter. I want you son. You are someone I desire. How many know that God is pursuing you intentionally? It's not an accident. God is coming after you on purpose because he has a purpose for your life. Amen. That's good news, but he doesn't just pursue you because he loves you. That love pushes him to protect you. And here's the second thing that I want to show you is that Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time because of his intentional protection. He intentionally protects us. And this is something that I want to unpack for a minute. Uh, John chapter four and verse eight says this. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So what was happening in those days is that Jesus and his disciples were traveling together and they had arrived at this place. But Jesus understood that the disciples would not be receptive to this woman. There are some times that God has to block people out of your life, not because they are bad, but they can't handle the fact that God wants to use you In spite of what you've been through, that God still has purpose for your life, although there's been messes, although there's been mistakes, that God still has a reason to use you. And so the disciples and Jesus travel this way, but when they get here, he convinces 12 guys to go buy food for 13 people. Now, for me, that doesn't make sense, but I know there's probably a wife in here like, "Hmm, you haven't met my husband. They need help. But it normally doesn't take 12 people to buy food for 13 people. But he has to send them away because they couldn't handle Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman. They would have blocked his interaction with her. They they would have tried to stop Jesus from meeting with her. And maybe that has happened to you. Maybe you've been discouraged because... Somebody who represents God has tried to keep you from him. Maybe you've been offended by somebody who has called his name. And what Jesus is trying to do in this case is he's saying, I am not going to allow anything or anyone to get in the way of me encountering you and me having a a, a time to, to meet with you. And he wouldn't let anything get in the way of that. And here's the truth of the matter. Is that God is working behind the scenes to keep negative people away from me. Some of the best protection God has ever done in your life are things you have never seen. Some of the best things that God have protected you from, you don't even know about. You you, you need to take a few minutes to just thank God for the person who never called you back. Thank God for the person who uh, dropped out of your life. Thank God for the person who didn't swipe right. Thank God that I didn't marry that Bobo from fourth grade. Thank God that I moved on from that job into the new opportunity. Thank God for the nose and the closed doors because they opened up to the greater place that God had for me. It opened up to the greater opportunity that God had for me. I thank God for his protection by saying no. He kept people away. The disciples couldn't handle this. I know this Uh, if, If you're still in your Bible in John chapter four, verse 27, he says the disciples see that Jesus has come back and they're like, what in the world is he doing? Why is he talking to this person? Why is he dealing with them? And sometimes people are wondering the same thing. But I've come to tell you that God will protect you from those who want to crush your destiny. God will protect you from those who will want to hinder your progress and stunt your growth. That God's plan is bigger than any attack of the enemy. God's plan is bigger than anything that would try to hinder that. God is in the protecting business. And this woman who had been ostracized, who had been criticized, who had been talked about, that society had rejected. God decided to meet with her and in meeting with her he protected her from those who would try to stifle that meeting. I'm so glad that God protects us. I'm so glad that he works behind the scenes for this. And there's a guy, a biblical character named David who understood all of this. Because sometimes in those difficult moments, we we don't understand what God is doing. But at the end, we understand that in those moments, he was protecting us. Look at what he says in Psalms 71. He says... My life in is an example to many because you have been my strength and my protection. It's very hard to see it in the moment, but I want to encourage you that God has been protecting you the whole time in order for you to get to the place where you can accomplish the destiny that he has for you. That's what's so great about God, so great about Jesus, is that uh, he died for us, he saved us, but he did it in order for us to have life and have it more abundantly jesus made sure that he made a way for us to connect back to him i'm so glad for his protection but here's the third thing that i believe makes him the greatest of all time the goat is that jesus is the goat because of his intentional persistence his intentional persistence now Y'all probably more saved than me, but somebody just got to tell me no one time. And I say, yes. And amen. You, you don't want my help. You don't want this. Okay. That's fine. But I love how persistent Jesus is. In John chapter four and verse nine, the woman begins to come up with excuses on why she can't deal with Jesus. You see, when Jesus had asked her, can you give me a drink? What he was really doing in that moment, he was breaking the ice, breaking tradition. And then he was also affirming her humanity and including her in the story and telling her that she could contribute. Because in those days, Samaritans, if you even touched a cup that they had touched, you were unclean. That the Jews would rather go thirsty than to drink from a Samaritan cup. But in that moment, Jesus said, can I have a drink? He was saying, I don't care about tradition. What I care about is seeing you made whole. I don't care about what society has said to you. I want you to experience the impact that I can make in your life. And this is what happens to uh, this woman. She begins to raise questions. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me this? You see, what Jesus had done was so counterculture, so counter her experience that she put a wall of resistance up. And how many times have we done that ourselves? Where God says, I have great plans for you that I want to use you, that I want to do stuff in your life that I have greater for you. And we raise walls of resistance. Walls of why it can't happen. Walls of why it doesn't make sense. But can I tell you that Jesus is not afraid of your resistance and it will not stop his persistence that he will continue to chase after you in my dad's day they would say there isn't a mountain high or valley low or a river wide enough today we got new songs that says there's no mountain he won't climb up wall he won't kick down lie he won't tear down to come after me that he will continue to knock until you answer the door that he will continue to chase until you say yes that god will continue to persist after us even in the face of our resistance i want to tell you a story is in luke uh, chapter 15 verse 4 and 5 it's a parable that jesus told about the persistence of one who had lost the sheep and see this man had a hundred sheep and one went away And practically speaking, it makes no sense to leave 99 to try to get one. It makes no sense until you're the one who needs to be found. And this is what the story says. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? He won't stop until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Meaning that even when he finds you and you're not where you're supposed to be, Jesus is not begrudgingly complaining about picking you up. He's joyfully saying, I've got my daughter back. I've got my son back. I'm going to take them home. I've got purpose. I'm going to clean them up and I'm going to change them into who I want them to be. God is persistent and he won't give up and he won't change. Here's what I need you to know. If you've been running from God, if you've been running from what he's trying to tell you, I need you to understand that Jesus' persistence will not be discouraged by my resistance. He's not going to stop just because it's taken a long time. And I know... There are mothers and fathers in here who are wondering how long is it going to take. But as you sit here now, Jesus is knocking on that son or daughter's heart. As you sit here now, he is knocking on that brother or sister, that that parent's heart, because he won't give up. And that's what's so great about him. He is so persistent. But here's the last thing I want to tell you about why he is the greatest of all time, specifically in the area of his intentionality, is that. Because of his intentional provision. How many know that God wants to provide in our lives? That God has some things that he wants to release in our lives. Look at what he says to the woman after her resistance in uh, John chapter 4 and verse 10. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Here was the difficulty for this woman. Jesus was telling her, you don't know that God has something for you and you don't know that the person who can give it to you is standing right in front of you. And many of us, we believe intellectually that God has things for us and that Jesus is the one who can give it. But there's a disconnect in our hearts to really believe that he is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he will do. And this, this is something that I need you to understand because some of you have been called to greater things, but you're struggling on a level lower than that because of this. Your level of provision is directly connected to your knowledge of the provider. What God can release in your life It's directly connected to what you can believe God for. Philippians 4 and 19 says it like this. And my God will liberally supply fill until full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Another version says by Christ Jesus, everything that you need, everything that you're waiting on, everything that you desire, it's here, it's in the house and it's provided by Christ Jesus. If you're needing peace of mind, he's here to give it to you. If you need joy, if you need hope, God is here in the midst to provide it for you. And here's here's the truth of the matter. He desires to do this. It's not something that you have to pull his arm. This is something God desires to do. Look at what Psalms 84 and 11 says. It says, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. He doesn't want to withhold it from us. But in James... It says, we have not because we ask not. And this is not some name it, claim it kind of ideology. What this is, is asking God for what he's already said he wants to do in your life. Asking God to fulfill the promises of what he has said in his word. This is what he wants to do. And he's inviting us to partner in this. And here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Is that when we realize who Jesus is and what he has for me, I will ask for it and he will give it to me. When it becomes an aha moment, when we begin to realize that God has bigger plans for me, I'll begin to ask for greater visions. I'll begin to ask for greater things that I won't just believe him for one or two, but I'll believe him for tens and hundreds and thousands. I'll believe him to do exceedingly abundantly above all. I could ask or think according to his power that is working on the inside of us. Can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, if you knew who God really was, you would begin asking and God will begin giving. If you knew what he had in store for you, you would begin asking and God would say, I would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you would not have room to receive, that it will be above what you have room to receive. You need to begin to pray bigger prayers There's greater dreams because god wants to provide it for us he is here to intentionally provide exactly what we need but here's the thing many of us are like this woman we come to this well week after week and we pull pull from water but a lot of times we still leave here dry We go home back to the same stuff we were dealing with. But I want to show you a scripture because today is the last day you ever leave dry. God has come that you will drink from the wells of salvation. In Isaiah chapter 12 in verse 3, 2 and 3, he says, see, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory with joy. You will draw from the wells of salvation. I came here this afternoon to declare over you with joy. You will draw from the wells of salvation with joy. You will see the promises of God fulfilled with joy. You will receive everything that God has promised you. I'm not crying. The the psalm says it like this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. And today is your morning. Today is your new season. Today is when God radically changes everything in your favor. He's been pursuing you. He's been protecting you. And even when we were wayward, he's been persistent. But now's the time that he wants to provide for you what you need to accomplish his will on this earth. I want to pray with you. Father, your word has been spoken. And I thank you for the fact that you have been chasing after us, God. Your word declares that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so grateful that you had us in mind. God, thank you for your protection. Thank you for sealing us from blocking us, God, from keeping us from harm and danger. Lord, thank you for not giving up on us. When other people gave up on us, you were persistent and said there is still hope for them. But God, now we have come to the moment in time where you want to release some things into our hands. You want to provide some things for us to do. And I pray, God, that we would begin to ask you for great things. That God... As you had reminded us earlier in the year to pray big prayers, God, I pray that we would begin to pray large prayers, Lord, that we would pray prayers that go beyond our life. That we would pray for this city to be changed by the power of your anointing. That we would pray, God, that every barrier, every wall would be broken down. That you would begin to minister to this city. That you would use us, God, to do great things, God. That you would use us to change the world for your glory. And in this moment, God, I pray that, Lord, you would open the eyes of your people to see that the best days are ahead of us. That our greatest moments are right over the horizon that we have walked into the greatest season of our lives thank you for this god and as we celebrate it i pray god that you would release it now god release the favor release the doors of opportunity it is in jesus name we pray and every believer shout amen amen and amen thanks for listening